Welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Players Week, the ever-debated fifth major that I think Tiger just pretty much stomped out of the question as being a major championship contender by passing up on it this week. But uh, we got Dante in the house. Um, Isaiah definitely doesn't have the coronavirus, even though he hasn't been with us in a couple weeks. But uh, we'll get that man back on the pod here sooner rather than later. But uh, Dante, how you doing, man? Good, just uh... – just another day in paradise. What can I say? Uh, another day not testing positive for the the that, COVID nineteen, right? That's true. I know it's uh, everybody's freaking <laughs> out right now. So oh, you gotta I mean, love it. Something yeah. else, man. We freaked out about today, and I'm just gonna jump into it because I want to talk players so bad. Because I I actually got to go last year. I don't know if too many people know that or had followed my personal page before we started the podcast. But a uh, good buddy of mine, Nick Marolo, shout out to him. He works down in the Jacksonville area and and won some tickets last year. So I got to go walk around the players and uh, just experience it on a weekend, which is absolutely phenomenal. Um, that's 17th, man. The wind starts picking up. That is a scary hole. Players were talking, you know, today they were like anywhere from sand wedge to a hard nine iron. That's, that's interesting. That's quite the range. Because the yardage is pretty, is pretty short because I like the – the Twitter polls that they usually have or the Instagram questions with that in relation to that hole, because it's, it's not a par three where it's playing 220 and, you know, maybe a little slight downhill and the pros are playing six iron yet your average, your average player is pulling out a hybrid, maybe even three wood or whatever. So it, it's kind of cool. Cause you do have that number in the bag, but they always struggle. It's one of the most, you know, iconic holes all year long that players just can't figure out. I think that's what makes it so great. And like you said, it, it's, it's like the common man's hole. Because, like, it's not like a 245-yard par three where these guys are hitting four iron and we're probably hitting, like, hybrid or a hard to three wood or something. It's like everyone can hit a nine iron. Maybe the amateur hits an eight iron there on a bad day. But, like, everyone can make this shot possible, you know? It's relative to the amateur golfer, at least in distance-wise. Absolutely, and it's that cl- it's your closest thing to relate to the pros on an iconic hole. Yeah, you don't you don't have that very often, and when you can go down there, since it it, it it's it is public, so you can go out. Yeah, and play. I mean it's expensive, but it's public, yeah. so anybody can go out there. And when you get there. I mean, you see everybody who plays that course, the post that they put is a picture or a slight video at the 17th hole. And I'll be honest with you. The rest of that course is gorgeous. It's a phenomenal layout. It's a great walk. Um, You know, if you truly want to go to a tour event and enjoy the walk, this is one of them. It's kind of um, the way I was described the course as I was walking around by some of like the people who come to it more often than not um, is it's more of like a star. Like there's kind of like, you know, four or five holes that go out and make a roundabout all around the clubhouse. So like you're not walking way out into like affinity and like you're 18, maybe wraps around like every three or four holes, you find yourself back in this central location, kind of around the clubhouse and around the tee box to hole 16, which is pretty neat because like it keeps you just in this nice tight little circle. Uh, it's a, it's a great place to go watch a tournament. It's not that exhausting on the legs as far as, you know, it's a pretty, you know, you're down in 
the shore of Florida. You know, it's, it's a flatter course. There's not too much elevation change. Um, and the, just the stands they put around this place are massive. So it's fun. It's really cool to see. Um, 17 is always a party. We kind of see that. I think they stretched a little out of their comfort zone this year and tried to go a little waste management open, you know, for their pre-round, pre-festivity concerts. And uh, I don't know, we, we, ret- we retweeted the video today. You guys can go check that out at Enjoy the Walk Pod on Twitter and Instagram as well. But uh, we retweeted the video. It was a little awkward scene, wouldn't you say, Dante? Yeah, just watched it. Uh, it seems like there's a mix of crowd. Uh, those who are of that scene and those who are clueless of what was kind of going on. Yeah. Cause obviously know, it was club music. It was, I bumping. know in years past they've had uh, country music singer, Luke Combs. They've had, um, you know, I wouldn't say rock bands like hard rock, but they've had, uh, they've had some rock bands go through there as well. Um, yeah. This year was definitely the more club scene with the chain smokers. Uh, but it was very evident that there was people who paid to be in the kind of the pit area that knew every song. And then there was your just normal golf crowd out around the edges that were just sitting in their lawn chairs. Like they were just watching the masters, <laughs> just relaxing, taking in a show. <laughs> Listen, man, when it comes to music, I'm a big fan of everything, but when you have events like that, you got to, you got to, I think you got to go for everybody. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So that was interesting to see. Um, you know, we're always want to talk about loving to see the expansion of horizons um, in the game of golf. So I think it, uh, it's a great start to at least, uh, you know, push the boundaries, see what's out there. Um, but in such a static kind of like more classic place like TPC Sawgrass, you know, it, TPC Sawgrass will never be the venue that waste management is. Um, and it's, it, even when I was down there, you get a feel like, okay, this is one of the places where like you wear a suit and tie kind of affair, uh, club music might find a little back and forth fight to find its way into that event. Yeah. I'm with you on that. And to go off of that, you know, you have, you have these other courses and other kind of bigger venues, like outside the majors that try and are to do a little different things to get different crowds in and to make it feel as if it is a waste management management at Scott at TPC Scottsdale. But to me, that takes away from what TPC Scottsdale and the waste management tournament is mm-hmm. like, just let them do their thing. Let that tournament be, you know, the tournament, what it's for and keep it at that everything else i mean you can even say i'll even say there's a lot of other tournaments that have the ability to do that where their venue and their you know clientele is a lot more laxed and a lot more party based but not at the players it's one of those tournaments where you have that really old money if you take a look at the clubhouse you can immediately say okay well this isn't you know this isn't scottsdale arizona we're not in the middle of nowhere party central we're we're in more of a classical high money old money style event so um there's sometimes where like like i obviously don't want the waste management infiltrating the masters either i love that there's no technology you know fan wise in at the masters i love that it's as classic as it is and i think the players is also one of those events where like maybe i even draw the line it's like all right i want this to be classic i want this to be that you know suit and tie style really fancy ass event because it it gives i feel like that's what holds it as a major or at least keeps people talking over and over again that like it should be a major. It should at least be in the conversation. 
I like that it how, how it just sits on that bubble of whether it is or it isn't because it just brings up that conversation and that debate. And I think that's what makes the players the players. Yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is too, it, it is such a challenging golf course that the, I think the other reason that it's in the conversation with being a fifth major is because you have the iconic winners. You have those, you know, Hal Sutton, Tiger Woods, Jack Nicklaus, Arnold Palmer, you know, Rory just, when he won it last year, said it was a career-defining moment, you know. And sorry, Ricky's win a few years ago. Ricky, career-defining. Was... It, it, it's almost one of those things where, like, if, if guys are on the edge of having a Hall of Fame career, a player's win can, like, put them over the edge of, of getting them into a Hall of Fame debate. You know, it's like, it's just, uh, it's such a historic classic event that um, I think it deserves that respect all the way around. Speaking of Ricky, would you have, rather have that ice block trophy or would you rather have the, the new gold trophy with the player on it? I want to be honest. I think I like the new one, but the old one, just like so many names and guys have had that trophy that when I go back for myself in like historic presence, I just love the fact that like I have the same style trophy that Tiger Woods held up. <laughs> that's, that's what's, I'm just not sold on that new trophy from that. I mean, I like the style of it. I like that they mimicked, you know, the guy shout out to our walkers, the walkers t-shirts. They're on our website. Go, go peep them guys. Check them out quicker than most. Little tagline below, but yeah, I I like I like the I like the classic trophy. Ten yeah. out of ten. It kind of like you were saying earlier that that classic vibe it, that trophy fits well, going off of that kind of the the classic old school. I mean, I've never been down there. You ever play there? No. Uh, okay. A couple good friends of ours ha- of mine has from Marywood. You know, Nick Nick Biondi and uh, Carl Puglisi were just down there this spring. Um, or this winter, actually, I think they were down there in January, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's just always pure too. That's the thing that blows my mind. You know, it's never like out of shape. Nice. That's, it's a good problem to have, but yeah, I mean, one, one thing speaking, just going back to 17, I feel like every amateur, no matter how hard they try, always puts one in the water. It's just such a daunting hole. You know, every like amateur post that I've seen has been like, ah, went to the drop zone because I put three in the water already. Speaking of the water, do you see the the fan betting betting Rory fifty bucks? How beautiful was that? That was that was that was a class act, right? Rory is hitting the shot with a fifty, just dangling a little bit of breeze, so it's dangling in the wind out of his back pocket, and he just stuffs it, gives the fifty back to the fan. That was yeah, that was that was really cool to see. Well, let's be honest. Uh, Rory's more worried about the 2.7 million at the end of the weekend rather than a measly 50 I mean, bucks. That 50 bucks to us is means a lot. <laughs> oh, I'll it's like $50 bet on any golf course any day. Oh, for Give sure. Me that cash. His is like probably 50 cents for him. Yeah, that's chunk but, change. No, that's kind of cool. And that's cool too when you see when you see stuff like that where they interact because, you know, sometimes they're you know they're there. They're there for business. So I mean, obviously, all about though, and and the pros I feel like are getting a lot better at that, of just just mucking it up with the fans. You know, yes, they're taking it seriously. They have a, a huge championship on the line, but they understand that they're making this money because of the fans, 
and become oh, for sure. back stadiums. So yeah, it's just you just need to know fan and pro when like kind of the right time is. If you're in the heat of the heat of the tournament, like practice rounds, it's probably just yeah, you know, all shits and giggles. But when it gets to <laughs> you want to talk about grind, some good shits and giggles today, uh, our man Tommy Fleetwood. Ah uh, yeah, man. Oh man, what a shot. Man tees it up, so he's mur- he's mucking it up with the fans a little bit. And uh, the two guys that were playing with him, I think it was Eric Van Royen and uh, maybe his, like, PR team or whatever. But uh, Tommy tees it up, and right off the face, someone in his little PR team goes, oh, Tommy, hold it. Tommy, hold it. Well, sure enough, about 10 seconds later, ball drops right in front of the cup, then bounces right behind the cup, and spins right back in for a hole in one. I'd like low, to see low key, a, low key, a good pick for this week. I think. Tommy. I was about to say, I'd like to see him get it done this week. The man's been close already this year, close a lot. If he wouldn't hit that like atrocious shot at Bay Hill, just into the water out of nowhere, he had a chance. Yeah, for sure. I think if he put that in the back of the green, he would have taken that to a playoff and won. Or I'm sorry, not Bay Hill. The week before Bay Hill, it wasn't at Arnie's place. No. My bad. Anyway. Was it? No. Yeah, it wasn't at Bay Hill. But anyway, that course with Tommy Fleetwood had contention there. He hits one good shot. He puts himself in a chance to win a tournament. A couple weeks before that, I think he's been finishing good, like, top tens. Been playing solid this week. So um, we got a pretty cool episode lined up for you guys here. Uh, If you haven't enjoyed this 20 minutes already, uh, we have – if you guys follow us, you know, on our personal pages, Dante and I played in the Barstool Classic last year, the qualifier uh, out at Philmont, rep the, rep the PCC, yep. uh, right out there outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And uh, we met up with two guys when we were at the local qualifier who ended up winning the whole damn thing, Rocco Scrillo and Anthony Hoffman. Uh, we got them next on the show. We're going to shoot the shit with them on everything Barstool Classic, Philly golf scene, um, and they're pretty – big advocates of a pretty sweet golf organization as well. Uh, but before we get to them, we got our picks for the players this week. Lots of good names in the field. I feel like, you know, this always brings out the best, and you always have one underdog that comes out and, and gives, a, gives a go at it. Jim Furyk was the underdog that almost freaking won it last year. Made some noise down the stretch. Uh, who do you got this week, man? Uh, let me see here. I think I might have to, like I just said earlier, go with our Tommy Fleetwood. That's a solid pick, man. That is a uh, solid But we also pick. know I'm one I'm one for three of cuts made. So uh Yeah, so I mean, you know, I, I take may, it or leave it. Take it I or leave may it. May or may have not. <laughs> Sorry, Tommy. If not No, you ended your jinx when you picked Rory. So uh, yeah, I but I feel like I feel like that was pretty much a given. Golf's never a given, buddy. Golf's never a given. I know. But who am I going to go with? Who am I going to go with? Hmm. I might go with our boy, Sun J.M. Really? He's been knocking at the door the past couple weeks, and I'm just going to take the man while he's on a heater because I don't know how much longer the heater's going to last. Yeah, he's been striping it lately yeah so there it is guys there's our picks for the players um shout out to our podcast brethren over leave the pin 
uh, they're down there at the players this week, credential media. They'll be inside the ropes, mucking it up with all the pros and whatever, you know, you have it. So if you listen to us and are happen to be down at the players, uh, look for them. They got a bright green backpack with some yellow emblems on it. So check them out. Um, say hello. Say hello for us. Take some pictures. If you're down there, tag us at Enjoy the Walk Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, that'll be it from us. And on to our interview with the Barstool Classic 2019 champions. Welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast, guys. As we said, we have the champions of the Barstool Classic from 2019. Uh, played in our local qualifier out in the Philly area at Philmont Country Club. Uh, Rocco and Anthony Hoffman. Guys, thanks for joining us, man. How are you guys doing? What's up, fellas? How you doing? Appreciate you guys having us on. Yeah, pretty, thanks. Pretty Fin- fun. Finally, we're, we're glad we're glad that we got to meet you at Philmont. Now we're uh, enjoying your uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah I mean, think, things we, have you changed came a long way, right? Since uh, things have changed a little bit since Philmont, you know, yeah. you guys, you know, going from the amateur status to pro status, all of a sudden, uh, us starting a podcast. For just yeah, for that goes for you too. it's been a good ride for both of year. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, uh, you know, you guys, I feel like you know a lot of guys out in that Philly area that we just met along the way, along the way when we played up there. Um, had that little Philly underdog chip on your shoulder. Does that come in everyone that grew up in Philly? Is that just a Philly thing? <laughs> well, when you, when you watch our Philly sports team struggle for so many years, I think we all <laughs> want to just try to win something. So, Yeah, I think everyone's just angry. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, like – That's just the best way to describe yeah, it. <laughs> everyone's angry. It's just that, that anger that's been building up inside for so long, right? Yeah. It's always the hype and then the disappointment. Oh, yeah, and then the anger. <laughs> then the anger. So when the when the when the hype lives up to itself, it's well worth it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. What's that Mark Wahlberg movie? Is uh Invincible? Where you know that's like I feel like that's the perfect representation of Philly is when like he's back at the hometown bar and just everyone's cursing everything the Eagles do. Everyone's pissed off in the bar drinking. I'm like, that's Philly. That's, that's exactly that's Philly right right every time. <laughs> Uh, that's that's hilarious now it was uh it was fun being up in the philly area man and uh you know not only meeting you guys but a bunch of just you know golf heads from the philly area that we've kept in touch with as well there's a lot of good golf up in that philly area no 100 percent and um i mean me and half grew up i mean what would you say half we grew up on the public side of the the golf end for for our younger most you know when we were younger and throughout high school but yeah, now, I mean, like the Philly, Philly municipal courses. So we, we, we've been through the struggle, uh, <laughs> played in some pretty terrible conditions. So it's nice to finally move up the ranks a little bit and play some, some, some FDR. Yeah, some FDR. You yeah. Know, actually just closed. Just closed. No way. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Damn. The lakes. That's a big call. Every time <laughs> it rains, it's under two inches of water. Oh, geez. Goodness. Now we yeah. love that. We love any kind of Muni golf, any kind of, I know, uh, Isaiah and I, he, he couldn't be here tonight, but, uh, I, I grew up on public tracks my whole, you know, childhood three, even through, uh, college golf, our D3 team played on a little, little Muni track up in the Scranton area. So, you know, Muni golf's a way of life for us as well. And, uh, it's it's cool to be able to take a jump and, and see the finer side of things every now and then. Was it that's, why you, that's why you always got to enjoy the walk. Amen to that. There you go. <laughs> I was just asking uh, uh, Dalton if it was – because we went to the same college together. Was it Pine Hill? 
No, no, it was a little bit better than Pine Hill. Pine Hill was like a little par three muni almost. We yeah. played the Scranton Municipal. They at least gotcha. they, they bumped it up to like I think sixty one hundred yards from the tips. Mm, stretching it out. Yeah, mm, that was <laughs> that was our high school. That was our high school uh, matches. We were playing almost a par. Yeah, but what our our front nine front nine had how many par threes? Two, four, five. Six, six par threes, eight, three par fours. <laughs> yeah, that was our that was our high school track every nine. That turns you into a ball striker, right there. Oh yeah, I mean, it did. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing: if we got we hit driver off the first tee, that was about three hundred yards. We got yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> so, you probably blasted I'm, over that green by now, huh? Yeah, and I, and I we actually did now. I think both of us still. I'd have to say. <laughs> so it's been nice. Now, did you guys – you said you grew up kind of playing the golf together. That's how you guys knew each other, was just playing junior golf and coming up, you know, in the Philly area? Or how did you guys end up meeting to become better ball partners? We didn't play golf. We didn't play no? – Hoff didn't play golf until he was, what, Hoff, 14? 13 years old, yeah. I, right before my freshman year we started. But we played, uh, we played youth hockey together for a couple of years. Um, our families knew each other. We, we've always been acquainted. And then we walked into freshman year of high school for golf tryouts our season starts before the school year i looked over to my left and it's rocco i'm like oh you play golf you play golf (laughs) kicked it off from there played four years of high school with each other and played in better ball tournaments played traveled to uh amateur events junior events you name it was your uh was your season in the fall then yep yeah yeah because i'm over i'm over the bridge and it was during spring. So I, I grew up playing lacrosse and I always wanted to play on the golf team, but I just couldn't because well, same season. Yeah. Yeah. I think the year before we came or the year before we entered in or we went to high school was the last year they did fall and spring golf. If we did fall and spring golf, that would have been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even imagine like looking back on it, being able to play that much freaking golf. Yeah. We great. only had, I think we only had like, what, like eight weeks, nine weeks of golf for us. In yeah, we, started, we started in mid-August and we were done October 1st almost. Jeez. Yeah. Well, you, you yeah. guys are in Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, yeah, just outside. Yeah. Of, yeah, we were the same way. I, I uh, went to school in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And, um, yeah, we were the same way. Started well before the school season, or I mean yeah. the school year. And like you said, second week of October was like state championship or something yep. like that. Yeah. <laughs> it was same. there and gone. Yeah, and we we were in the heart of the city. Like we were broad and bind, fifteenth, and I think that's that's dead heart of Center City almost. Wow. So we our golf course was down the road, down a down like uh, what's it, uh, Boathouse Row, and around, and then off of Henry Avenue. It was a little golf course that's six par sixty two, Walnut Lane, and that's what we grew. Well, that's what we played high school in, but. When we were in high school, we went to have, we went anywhere we could possibly go to play. I would challenge people to find some par sixty two courses out there. They're few and far between. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Right. Only one you're ever going to see. Yeah. <laughs> it was, was twenty six yards, twenty six hundred yards, and it played all that twenty six hundred. I'll tell you one thing. Those every every last bit when you're a high school freshman, right? Oh yeah, and we had we had the undefeated uh, home course advantage because no one wanted to come play that place <laughs> we got lucky with that i love that you know it was funny even through like my, my play in high school you had some teams that like played at some really nice courses you know public courses and then you had those dog tracks where you're like man coach we really got to go there like come on we'll just, just 
Yeah, just forfeit. Come on. Don't take That's it. That's every other team in the league said when they came to Walnut Lane, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of, uh, like, the gap matches in, in the spring when, when Marion's got to come over, like, the bridge and go to some dumps in, in Jersey or just go to the – like, the, they're like, are we serious? Oh, uh, yeah, they hate it. Yeah. <laughs> they were talking about – I was got word the other day that they were talking about gap matches, and they were saying how – they don't want these other places to come. <laughs> like, it just just put, like, just say, I'm not giving, this isn't an accurate statement. I'm not putting this. But just say, like, Marion doesn't want guys from wherever coming to Marion. It's just, like, it's a crazy thing that's going on. I mean, so it's funny you say that. Game, you know what I mean? Yeah, because, like, I, I live in Maryland now, and our state team, uh, like, matches, and which is like your guys' gap matches, have, um, you know, congressional in the mix and TPC Potomac. And, and it's, it's been rumored that those guys were just like, uh, they get to a point and if they see someone else coming across the bridge, they'll just, uh, they'll let the forfeit and just kind of give up on the rest of the state. Yeah. They just don't really care to have 12 <laughs> guys from fucking Eastern shore, Maryland at a pony track, come up to their course. Yeah. And just like hack it up or whatever it may be, you know, they, they hate it. Yeah. It's crazy but, when you get to that upper echelon of, uh, private clubs, I guess. Wouldn't know, but I guess. I'm just guessing. Nah, there's some – it depends where you're at. But I'll tell you, like, I I mean, Hoff knows – I tell him all the time. I was, like, being a member – like, my first time being a member at somewhere, which is Philmont, and, like, the actual membership and hanging around and playing every day with meeting guys is probably the best experience you can ever come across. I'll agree with that. Because, like, even through – so, like, when I started playing golf till I got to college, I worked at a golf course. And then – playing through college obviously you get to play for free at like your home courses mm-hmm. uh, and then when i got down here to the eastern shore of maryland like right after college was the first time i ever joined anywhere and it is like the coolest experience you guys like i don't know about you but like all of a sudden i was part of these like 30 40 man group texts that were just like all right we're playing here we're playing there you know yeah. this time, that time money matches it's like it's a cool little you know it's almost like a fraternity that you almost just joined and all yeah. of a sudden you're just playing golf with a bunch of like-minded individuals all the damn time yeah, they're they're all – I mean, the camaraderie that goes around there, you know. And then you got guys that are so successful, and you're – like me, myself, I'm just like – I'm a 23-year-old kid that's just kind of <laughs> trying to play golf, and these guys are all millionaire successful businessmen, and I'm yeah. – and these are all just normal people. You know, that's the cool thing about it. Yes. I think yeah. the guys that just are successful businessmen, and you see them in the office, and they may look like a dick. These guys are actually just level-headed, normal dudes. So it just does. Like, it it brings the realization, like, at least for me, too, like, when I started walking into meetings, it was like, shit, dude, like, that guy from across the table, like, I've seen him playing at a different club. Like, he, I, I saw him pound more beers than anybody else. Like, he looks like yeah. an asshole and could be the worst businessman in the world. But, like, nah, he's just a normal dude just playing yeah. golf on Saturdays and Sundays. Mm-hmm. And, it, and most and that, people are. Yeah. That's, it brings out, brings out the natural people. Oh, no doubt about it. No, that's awesome. Now, I got to ask, you guys said you started playing better ball tournaments together. What was your first better ball event that you guys, like, ever entered as partners? And was there ever a moment that you were like, man, maybe we just shouldn't be partners? Wow. Uh, it's got to be one of the Philly Pulp Links tournaments. I think it was a, a three-day event at Cobbs Creek. And uh, was, That was our first better ball, though, right? I think, I think like, it was, yeah. And, yeah, that was, like, our the first – See, our, our biggest problem with this Philly better ball was we played throughout high school, and we would tear it up on qualifying day. And then match play. Oh, we'd, yeah. we'd shoot. We'd be first in qualifying. Yeah. And shoot like eight, uh, nine and we knew we had it. Yeah, we knew we had it because we were, we were leading the way in qualifying, and then we get to match play and just poop our pants. Oh, like, God. We get 
I think it was like the worst. It was the worst couple years ever. Yeah. Like trying to get through that first couple rounds of match play. And then we each, you know, each year we learned, we got better and better. And then we got that championship and I, we. Yeah, it's a story for another time. Well, that story, that story was on the four play podcast. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll let those guys own that one. I, we definitely know that story. For those who don't, uh, you know, go check out our boys over at four play. They got that awesome story. But uh, yeah, no, I always just think it's funny, you know, when you enter into these better ball events and you see some guys that like, you, you know, automatically they've been playing since, you know, playing together since they were like, you know, in diapers and then you got other guys that like are just trying to make it work so you can tell how like tense they are around each other and just aren't that good camaraderie and and it's guys like you that just thrive in that event and you can see when people get comfortable with each other how easy they kind of vibe and just start rattling off birdies um you know you guys had some pretty good success at the 2018 PPGA fall classic guys took home that championship. Were there any other better ball championships you guys took home other than the Barstool classic or before the Barstool classic? Um, better ball events. We, yeah, we won. Um, we won one at Jeffersonville. It was another PPGA event. Yeah. Um, we won more like, what was that? A six. That was like a six, six, six event, which was pretty neat, which is still like a, I think it was six, Alternate shot, six, scramble, and then six better ball. And the better ball was we, – we did the best on the better ball. <laughs> we actually um, – we lost in two or three playoffs for better ball events. Mm-hmm. We lost one in yeah. the uh, just before the Barstool Classic, which was uh, – that was ridiculous, that 18th hole that we had to play. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, we lost a few playoff holes for championships. So, we're always inv- – we're always around it. We always – we're never too far off the leaderboard. We're always pretty confident with each other. I mean, we've played with each other probably over two, three thousand times. So uh, at the time yeah. we're with ourselves with each other, and I think that really feeds off with the better ball. You know? Yeah, I'd say we trust we trust each other a lot. So, I mean, we we know each other's games, especially coming out from high school, and we that's we've known each other for however long it's been ten plus years now, and now playing golf together, it's kind of become easy. He knows what club I want to hit. He knows what club – I know what club he wants to hit. I know what shot he wants to hit. He knows what and shot I, know, I want I know I want to whoop his ass, and he knows he wants to whoop my ass. Yeah, so, like, that's, going against – That's the best too. right there. That's the secret <laughs> That's the secret sauce to making a good better ball team happen. It's just, like, yeah, you guys are part of a team, but it's like, all right, I'm going to go out and shoot 66. All right, well, fucker, I'm getting you by one. I want to shoot 65 on your ass. Like, <laughs> I'm not letting you beat me. That's, we've, where, we've, that's where it matters. We've came up – we've had so many talks, like, after after tournaments and, and, you know, car rides home and talking about, like, losses and talking about ties and talking about wins. And we were like, yeah, why don't we just, like, try and play against each other in an event just one day? And we're like, we always fire off birdies left and right against each other. So, like, let's just do it that way. Yeah. So, um, I don't think we talked about it, but I don't think we ever put it to the test. <laughs> um, it's in the back of our minds, I think. It's in the back of our minds, yeah. Yeah, I was just say, hey, save, save us all and don't whip it out for 2020 Barstool Classic so we at least have a chance, all right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, he hits a shot three feet. He's telling me, he's like, go make it, you know? So it's like, <laughs> I'm like, all right, it's go time. So it's, it's fun, man. We have a good time playing together. Oh, yeah. I don't think it'll ever get old. That's the best part about better ball tournaments, especially if you find a good buddy or a good friend that's like in it with you. Um, it's just the, like the fun you can have if you're both playing well and just challenging each other on shots. And even if you hit a shitty shot, you know, it's like, all right, man, I'm, I'm here to pick you up. I'm here to save your yeah, ass from this hole. And I'm going to – 
I'm going to yeah. make a, I'm going to make a five or I'm going to make a, you know, I'm going to make a birdie when you're in the, in the woods about to make seven, I'm going to save your ass. And you know, just the little chirping that goes back and forth. That's the best part. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we've always, you know, I got shot to shit so what many times. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a great part about it too, because you know, you're playing the team thing. So if you do just like blow up on one hole, it's just, and you know, you're, you know, your partner's in the prime spot. You're just like, don't worry about it. Pick it up. We'll bring it to the next hole, and then we'll both go at it. I think Hoff got frozen. <laughs> All right, so we're back. A little tef- technical difficulties, but um, I, I think I, I want to ask you guys. I, I know Hoff, you're a big uh, advocate and uh, you know employee for the first tee. I want to get into the first tee a little bit and how you guys kind of got affiliated with the first tee. Um, you know, maybe what you guys do with it and, uh, rock, I don't know if you help out a lot with the Philly first tee. I know Hoff does, but you know, how you guys just got started with the first tee of Philadelphia? Um, get off. We, we, uh, as we said, we played high school golf at Walnut Lane golf club. And, um, that was actually home of the first tee at the time. So we grew up at another municipal course in a different part of the city. So we weren't introduced to the first tee or knew anything about it. Um, and as we got to high school, we seen it around us as we were at practice. They had first tee classes going on at the same time. So we always had an eye for it, and we would help out whenever we could, so especially when we um, became older students in the in the school. We'd come down and help the, uh, the old golf professional at Walnut Lane with some classes and whatnot. Um, so we've always been around it. Um, a couple of our teammates were actually members of the first tee and grew through the program and played at Pebble Beach for the pro-am that they have every year, the Pure Insurance Championship. Um, so we've always been around it. We were always jealous of them because they were going on trips and telling <laughs> a different life. Yeah, we were, I, we never, we never knew about it until we've seen our one buddy going, uh, to Pebble Beach and we're like, why didn't we join the first day? We're all made. <laughs> Where did I go wrong? <laughs> kind of upset about it. So well, we, as I got into college, I went to a, a Chestnut Hill college, which is pretty close to one Lane golf course. I'd go over there when we couldn't have access to White Marsh country club. Um, to hit balls and stuff like that, practice chipping and stuff. So started working at Walnut Lane and got introduced to the program, started teaching some classes, and a couple of years later, Rocco joined the team for a while. I was supposed to join first, you know that. Yeah, it was all <laughs> from there. I beat him for it, though. My schedule worked out a lot better. Never <laughs> not a little competition, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> always. 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 <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> say i know i mean we've had uh we had some members of the first tee on in this podcast before and they talked about the nine core values but um aside from that what would you guys say is you know really the most fulfilling part about the first tee and and what they do as an organization i mean for for us we're we're very hands-on we're both both coaches for a while so it's just seeing the progress of the kids that go through the program and you watch them grow and you see that these core values really impact them and they turn into good citizens with the community so I think for me that was the best part and watching them grow in the game of golf I'm a very big supporter and playing as much as you can and practicing and getting better at whatever you do so if we're teaching these kids golf I want to see some results out of them as well and I think that was the most fulfilling part for me just watching them go through the program and becoming young adults yeah I think you see that in a lot of uh I think you see that in a lot of like you know just children's camps in general but especially the first tee is like you're not only teaching them golf you're teaching like just how to grow up and be better uh better individuals uh within you know whatever aspects of life they may take on after the first tee yeah i mean it's not all about golf you know so we 
it, we use golf as a vehicle to drive all this stuff. I mean, uh, you surround them with good people. Hopefully they learn some things that they can carry on for the rest of their life. hundred percent. That's awesome. Now it was, a, the first tee had come up in, uh, in some, in some controversy here the last week. Uh, we listen to golf WRX a lot and, you know, shout out to them because a lot of what they do, uh, we love, we love their content. Um, you know, we met them down at the Orlando PGA show. Uh, Dante can speak on that. Um, those guys, Rob Miller and, uh, Newtson. uh Br- Brian Newton. Hey, yeah. Newton, he goes by. Shout, yeah, out, those guys shout out to those guys. A lot, of, a lot of fun to talk to them. They do I a follow lot a couple of their like podcasts. What's in podcasts. the bag? Stuff like that, would you say? Yeah. Uh, Newton's on two podcasts. Um, he's one with the club pro down in um, in Delaware, Maryland uh, area. Uh, so it's called Mondays Off. You know, they he just shoots the shit with the uh, club pro when he's off on Mondays. Um, and they just talk about golf-related uh, aspects. And then Newton and Rob Miller, they're on uh, two guys talking golf. And it's the same thing. It's just – it's title <laughs> says it all. It's two guys talking golf. Um, but – what's cool about them is they do know a lot of uh, tech. So, you know, I like, I like to build a lot of clubs uh, Well, I started to, and now I'm addicted. So now I'm just going on eBay and just buying cheap stuff and then trying to put piece it together, but learning from them on how to handle certain materials or certain clubs and how to put them together. So I kind of get a lot of information off of them. So definitely check them out. Yeah. So we love the entertaining. From WRX, but uh, Michael Williams, you know the one, their one podcast host on WRX Radio, uh, made some weird ass claims, and and I don't, you know, everything I've ever heard of the first tee is just amazing. It's great for kids. Um, he basically called it uh, ending. He said, "I want to end the nonsense and the indoctrination of inner city kids that they need to grow up in the country club culture." And I think he just completely missed what the first tee does. And like, you know, I, I want your guys' opinions on it. I don't think he's ever stepped in like a first tee class um, because I think like, like you said earlier, Hoffman, I think it's so much bigger than golf that like the whole country club aspect, I don't even think is a part of the first tee. I think it's just all about teaching these kids the values that go within the game of golf. I agree with that. Rocky, you have anything to say or? Um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to see what, um, I mean, I still think sometimes, even the people that, you know, donate and people that contribute to it, you really have to see the the class aspect of what we do. You know, it's not, um, you know, we're not sitting there. I mean, we're not sitting there with the kids in the classroom, just teaching them. We're showing them pictures of how you got like, there's a lot of more interacting things that go along with, with what we do in classes. And, you know, I think for people that, anyone that wants to contribute or anyone that wants to go see what the first is about, you should go see a class or you should go see, you know, watch a video of what we do in class. Like, you know, it, it, get yourself more influenced with it to, to really know what we do. Um, I mean, the core values are great things. And, and like Hop said, I think the bad, the biggest thing that we, you know, we kind of went a part of was get these kids to play more golf. Like, cause you don't know what you're doing unless you play more. Like you can hit balls in a you know, range all day and at an open, open area and you can sprite left and right. But to learn how to hit shots on a golf course from, you know, down slopes, ball above your feet, ball below your feet, you know, and rough and, you know, in all different kinds of situations, that's the kind of thing we want the kids to do is, you know, keep them on the golf course. And that that's how we learned. We used to hit, I think we back in the day we would take a card out. We wouldn't even play nine holes. We would just go behind trees and hit flop shots over trees. 
because we tried every single shot we could do, like the crazy shots, you know? And that's we the only way you get better, just figuring it out. That's yeah, how you yeah. Get we, I mean, we would put balls on a car pass and hit balls with the car pass. Like, <laughs> we would do anything that it was to – you were like, oh, let's, let's try this one. Like, you know, it, it's just whatever we could think of we wanted to do. So yeah, that's what yeah. kind of, you know, it, it gets you – I mean, you learn a little bit more knowledge about the game. You learn how to play the game, manage the golf course, obviously. Um, and I think that's the things that we want these kids to learn is to play more and see more. You can hit balls on a flat surface all day, but, you know, the more you play, the more you learn. Yeah, and just to add my two cents on it, um, the country club part is – I mean, I don't know how other chapters worked. Our, us in the Philly area, we do a good job of picking golf courses in areas and trying to draw kids from that area. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to impact um, – like, say we go to – uh, White Marsh Valley Country Club, like I brought up. We're not going to bring kids from a certain part of Philadelphia to that section. We're going to get kids from that elected area to try to impact them and get golf clubs in their hands because we know what golf clubs can do in your hands. You know, it leads you to anything in the world if you want it to. Um, and that's what I think people don't really realize, that we are trying to impact the direct community. We want to make every – we have 18 different locations throughout the city and surrounding areas. We have seven different counties – um, and like I said, I don't know how other first tee chapters work, but that's that's our motive. That's our mission. We want to impact the direct community that that golf course or driving range or um, indoor facility is located at. <clears throat> and that's just I, I think that's I honestly, from what I know, first tee in Baltimore area too. It that's the way Baltimore works as well. They you know they have their different locations within and around the city that they kind of zone in on, and they have you know specific events catered to that you know, county or whatever. Um, so I think that's what people miss, you know, when they make accusations like that is like, they just, they're so far out or like zoned out of just seeing the face value of like, Oh, well the first tee takes these inner city kids or, you know, whoever would it within a city and it teaches them, you know, the uppity part of golf. And it's like, no, it's like, actually, like you said, we're zoning into these areas and just bringing kids who a want to be there. You know, like these kids want to try golf and they want to learn more about the game and providing them an avenue for them to play where otherwise they wouldn't have that avenue to play golf. Yeah. And that's growing the game. And I'm sure, yeah. and I, in my experiences, even, I, I know a lot of, we'll say, country club kids that need the program more than the inner city kids. I mean, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, true. A lot of kids that are just really they need the core values and to understand what life is because a lot of them are out of reach or out of touch with everything. Um, so, that, I mean, that's just my two cents on it. That's an um, interesting yeah. take. That's not something I, I, I would even thought about. And, you know, I'm glad you said that because it is, you know, when you get to that avenue and, and when you get to those, you know, nice, nice country clubs, sometimes those kids maybe are more out of touch with, you know, reality than, than, uh, than some others. So uh, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you said that. That's interesting. I never would have taken that, uh, you know, aspect on things. And to back up Hop's point, I mean, just think about, you know, they say, no offense to the suburb kids, um, but they say, you know, us, we have our street smarts. <laughs> and I think that goes a long way, you know, yeah. with kids in that come up from that um, They have the street smarts. They have that kind of knowledge so that, you know, the kids that may have the things that they, you know, are fortunate to have in life, they kind of take them a little bit more for granted. So I think that's a, that's a big part, too. I mean, for sure. speaking from my background, you know, I'm not saying I was poor, but, you know, <laughs> I grew up in the, in the city. I grew up with kids that done bad things and everything. So I think that's that's one thing that these kids, we try to get 
out of these kids too is these inner city kids they don't not many um you know have that structured lifestyle and some kids that come in we try to help them out as best we can i mean no matter what it is i mean getting them off not not saying getting them off the streets but you know we run a, a really good pal program that's over there and the pal programs the police athletic yeah yeah so that's that's kids all from out the inner cities that come to this police athletic leagues and then they come to our golf program and we teach them the, the core values and you know, these kids don't even know what golf is. You know, they we grew up on concrete. We didn't grow up on grace. Yeah, there's no backyard to go hit chip shots. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the yeah. thing. I mean, the first tee is really not, – not the first tee. It's golf. Golf should be for everybody. And that's what people don't understand. It's not like the avenue where people can go play golf. It should be for everybody. Yeah. No, I think uh, – at the end, all be all. That's just the what we love to advocate for, and what we are trying so hard to get the message out through this too. Is like, you know, whether it's through putting on events with other brands that are, you know, advocates of municipal golf, or just trying to get the word out there that, like, listen, golf's not the like late '90s sport that it used to be, where you, you know, you have to be a member of this prestigious country club to go play the sport. You know, get out there with your buddies, go go to Goodwill and put together a set for like twenty bucks, and you can go to your local muni and just start learning how to play. Yeah, and that's, shout, out, shout out to Riggs because he's he's doing the same exact thing. He's making a stellar golf tournament for anybody who wants to play. No. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the the amateur golf needs so much more of that. I think there's room for about like twenty more barstool classics or like that sort of event style over the summer. Um, because obviously, I mean, you know, half the reason we had you guys on here is to talk about this next year's pot. You know, this next year's championship and. I mean, hell, it's sold out in, what, five minutes, ten minutes in most locations? Yeah. But that alone, I mean, yeah, Barstool's built a damn good brand. But the fact that that many amateurs want to sign up for a tournament like this also speaks to just the need and the want for an amateur event like this. Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, it's not – it doesn't have the USGA label to it where people are, people are scared to register for. I mean, it's a friendly, welcoming event where you can be a good golfer, but you can just want to meet the people from Barstool, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's good for everybody. And that's what I was telling Dalton earlier when we were talking about this is you have like the gap events, all the amateur events, those, I mean, those guys, those kids can play like the mid am and all that. I mean, it's tough. And then, and then, or you're looking at the U S you know, USGA mid am and you got like Stu Hagestad up in there and you got these guys who are like just phenomenal players playing in like tour events and whatnot, but you don't have that competitive or you, this is what I said. You, if you have anything competitive for just like an average player, you know, anywhere that can be like 10, 15 handicap right in that realm, or even, you know, single digits, it's your member event if you belong to a club, but there's nothing like the classic. You need more of the stuff like the Barstool Classic because that's, you still have like competition, yet you still have that, that fun and it's still for everybody. I was like, we need more yeah. of that. And that's it's what they're doing. It's a member guest outing. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's what it is like that's, you know you go to an outing and member guests are fun but they're more low high class you know there's yeah. sometimes you have your you know your first night of your member guests is your nice dinner you gotta dress nice you can you can invite the wives but you know this one's a the one day not this year member guest outing uh, yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's a, fun you know i'm excited to see what they do because they were like he was saying was that he was trying to group the the tournaments around like the weekends he was doing the thursday the fridays and and the and the mondays and i mean atlantic city i mean we go down friday night 
party all Saturday, Sunday, or however you please, yeah. and then ball out on Monday. I mean, it's perfect because I'm excited to see if they're going to do anything kind of on the on the back end, kind of like an event. Yeah, beforehand, like a, an event mm-hmm. party or something. Because I think I think with well, I mean, going from last year how they did everything, I think to to throw more parties in for them is going to be is going to be tough. But I think there's some weekends where they'll pick the right spots and they'll have – like they had Paige Brownick um, in Chicago. Yeah. So, like, are they going to do more events like that? Yeah. I think it's a no-brainer for them, too. You know, um, I I think the possibilities there, especially on, like, you know, Friday tournaments or the the tournaments that are before the weekend, I think there's a huge possibility to just throw in, like, barstool mixers or, you know, big banger parties or whatever they want to do. For sure. With with their qualifiers. But – before we move on to next, you know, this year's coming up, uh, I want to talk a little bit about last year's journey to the to the championship for you guys. Uh, like we said earlier, we met you guys at Philmont. Um, was it business as usual for you guys getting through Philmont? I mean, Rock, you pretty much own the place, so it was uh, playing like the back of your hand, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, like again, that story that when we first <laughs> found out it was at Philmont, um, I was working at the bar, he was working at the bar. And my buddies were telling me, they're like, yo, uh, the Barstool Classic thing's at your spot. I'm like, what do you mean my spot? And they're like, your golf course. I'm like, and my friends, they don't know much about golf. They're just like, you know, they're at your golf course. I'm like, what golf course, dude? <laughs> so um, they're like, film on. And I'm like, oh, no way. So I checked. I looked it up. I searched it right down there. I think it's like one in the morning at this point. I called Hoff. I was like, yo, the Barstool Classic's at you know, it's at Philmont. We're going to Liberty National. We're playing for 10 grand. You got to see the trophy. I'm paying the 600 right now for us. Let's go. He's like, all right, that's fine. Um, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> um, we were sold on that. So then once, once that all happened, um, Philmont, I mean, it's, I played it for two, three years. I won a club championship there. Um, I had my first two hole ones there. I mean, it's, it's. Wait, 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 wait. First two? Yeah, I had them in like three week, a month span, maybe. How many do you have now? Just two. Okay, <laughs> I thought you were gonna rattle two. off like three, four, five, six, seven, or something like that. Nah. I, was about to, I was about to hang up on you. Got my first two there. <laughs> I got um, just two now. That's uh, it's they came in a month span. So one on eight, one on seventeen. But besides me, I don't, I don't want to talk about me. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, nah, it's Philmont's a great track. I mean, I brought Hoff up there a couple of times, so he knows it. He knew it pretty well going in. And obviously it's a lock, you know, it's not hard to play. I mean, after any home track, you know, for a while, you played in tournaments there, you played in, you know, your member guests, whatever it could be. But yeah, that was an easy, easy W or easy win. I wasn't really worried. I mean, Hoff, you, were you worried? Uh, we didn't start off too hot. No. Uh, Definitely didn't start off too hot. I was struggling a little bit. I think Actually, we buried the first hole. What are you talking about? Yeah, that was you, not me. Um, <laughs> I, I was struggling, and I was a little nervous because I didn't know what if, it was, if I was going to pick up the slack. Um, say he makes a double bogey, and I'm not there to help. That's that's our big thing, him and egging it. So um, I struggled. at Phil. I think I shot 75-ish, and um, Rocket, Rocket Six, scored. That's 66. We had, uh, we had the rain delay. It's effective. And we went in there, and I was like, Rock. Yeah, put the trulies down. Have a couple. That's yeah. <laughs> it's not over yet. It's still some business yet. Left that yet. was one of my questions because you know, actually, like a couple of the barstool stops, we had a pretty lengthy rain delay. Um, was watching guys start, you know, snake cups. 
They were right. they were like eight, nine, ten trulies deep. And uh, I was like, well, if they're at the top of the leaderboard, Dante, we got a chance. I was like, I'm not saying we got to go. We, I mean, we knew we had to go out firing after the rain delay. But uh, I was watching a lot of guys just pound their, pound their leaderboard chances off of their uh, – off the truly. So I was like, all right, if we don't if – we, if we stay semi-sober, we might have a shot coming out of this rain delay. Yeah. Hoff, Hoff warned me very, uh, very yeah. soon once, <laughs> once uh, the rain delay happened. Because I think – I'll give, I'll give you one thing, Rock. I'll give you one thing, Rock. After the rain delay, I think we were struggling, and I could tell Rock was in another zone when we got back out there. Oh, I, I, put on, I put on uh, Dreams and Nightmares. Yeah. You rattled um, off a couple of birdies. I think I, I rattled off two in a row, yeah. 12 and 13, lipped out one 14, birdied 15, right? That's or no, we birdied, we birdied 17. You birdied 17. Yeah. So yeah. shout out, basically shout out to Meek Mill for getting you through. Your, uh, yeah. your second. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> after the Bird Super Bowl win, like you can't dreams and nightmares just get you pumped up no matter what where you're at. I'll be honest, I'm not even a Birds fan, and dreams and nightmares just it, it gets you to that level, get you to that level. You need to get it. You hits there. it hits differently. <laughs> now that's <laughs> awesome, man. And then uh, yeah, you guys you guys pretty much cruised through Philmont. Then that's basically the the story of Philmont. You get to the championship out at Liberty National. You know, talk us through that whole experience. You know, you guys got to go to HQ, hang out with everyone from Barstool, um, chill with Jake Owen, lose to a putting match with Jake Owen. You know, what was that, like, pre-festivity like hanging out at Barstool HQ? Uh, it was cool. Our first experience was um, we, we thought we were fashionably late, but we walked oh, in. We way late. <laughs> the first lady looked at us was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you so late? And we're like, uh, <laughs> we came, we thought know. we came like 45 minutes late. would have been like fashion me late, I guess. Yeah. Hey, everybody was like, damn, these guys are, these are, these are just getting here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it was, it was a great time. They had a good event up there. Fun contest was fun. Uh, obviously Jake Owen won. I don't think they gave him the money. Yeah, it, um, it worked out. It was a, you couldn't have mapped it or pictured it or planned it any better than, than what it was, you know? You know, I mean, you know what they could do better, what they did this year, make it three days. So, 100%. Yeah, a lot of days. Um, but, like, Jake Owen, like, him draining the putt, like, you know, lifting the arm, then taking the jacket off and draining the putt again. Like, come on. Gonna say, like, there's just some things you just can't make up to make a better storyline. And just yeah. from us watching even at home on the story, on the Barstool story, it was just – it was picture perfect. They couldn't have written it any better. For nah, a, for a pre -party. It, was, it was awesome and then he played in it he plays in the event and then i mean for us obviously the next day going forward yeah um now the only thing i regret about that is not taking the ferry with everybody but i think us driving ourselves we got in our zone and yeah we do our own thing yeah, we don't we do all right so so that's a <laughs> little insider secret that everyone thought you know the whole barstool classic went over in the ferry the winners didn't even yeah. take the ferry Mm -mm. We we drove. We were we stayed in the hotel five minutes away from the course. Suspicious yeah. causes, right there. <laughs> five, we met. We, listen, we've done this plenty of times. I think. <laughs> I think we nailed it on the head yep. that day, October fifteenth. That's when we nailed it on the head. Yeah, that's right. Hey, that was a that was an early wake up call for those guys getting out of getting oh, yeah. out of bed to catch the ferry in time. That's what I said. That's what we, I, we, that's we, we talked said. about it. We said, do you, I said, Hoff, do you want to go on a ferry at five five in the morning? He's like. No, why don't we just stay in the hotel? It's five minutes away. We'll wake up at six thirty and then get right over there. You know, <laughs> I mean, an extra hour of sleep's always always worth it. You know, yeah. There's something about golf tournaments too that just whenever you're traveling to a golf tournament, get those practice rounds in. 
you're always just a little extra beat like the night before an event. So especially with that pre-party and everything, it's like if you can get as close as possible to the golf course, why the hell wouldn't you? Yeah, that's exactly what I thought about too. Uh, and a lot of people were saying that it was very cold on the ferry. And I would have been a little pissed if I was sitting there freezing my ass off beforehand and trying to get up and get ready. For to a swim. good, like, 30, 40-minute ride from Manhattan yeah, to the uh, course. Yeah, I'm cool. Yeah, I did that in seventh grade. I'm, I think I'm good for now. Yeah, I, I went there. I went out to uh, Manhattan with my parents in the fall, and we caught it on the blusteriest day possible. And I was on the ferry mm. for, like, an hour and 20 minutes, and it was an hour and 19 minutes, way too freaking long. Yeah. <laughs> it's not enjoyable. No, not at all. Um, uh, that's crazy. So, go. I mean, going into the, the next day, um, like I said, we stayed five minutes away. We drove over. We had our we had our tunes set up for the morning, you know, listen to our music. We had everything ready to go. And then, you know, coming up to Liberty National, I mean, that's a top-of-the-line course. And we've played some nice courses, but, like, going up to there, dude, there was – just yeah, that, that whole that is something special. Yeah. I mean, we were looking up for two months beforehand, like, oh my God, I can't wait to pull up to this place. Like I mean, yeah. we go to a place that's had like an electric president's cup and just watching that place on TV and just seeing the views. I mean, and then to be able to step on step foot on there and just say, Yeah, I'm playing for not only am I playing it, like, okay, cool. Yeah, you can play anywhere if you pay for it, but I'm playing in a championship for ten grand. That's pretty yeah. that's some pretty yeah. awesome scenarios right there. Yeah. Um, but like how the yeah, course I mean, play, like, you know, I mean, I always hear it can get hard. It can get tough with the wind coming off the, the river there. Did it, did it play tough that day? We were just talking about this yesterday, <laughs> uh, Monday. We went up to, we went up to Manhattan, got the trophy back and we played golf afterwards. It was 70 degrees, sunny, not too much wind. And I'm frozen again. <laughs> 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 right on cue. <laughs> um, it's seven What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? A little technical difficulties here offer us the perfect opportunity to thank our sponsors. As always, we want to thank Slopegrade, the only wearable green reading product on the market that lets you attach a little sensor right to your belt buckle won't get in the way of any swings or putts and transfers right to your iPhone, Apple Watch, and soon to come Samsung products as well as Google products that tells you immediately the reading on the green in which you're standing on. Slopegrade is changing the way we read greens and it's going to help your game and it's going to chop scores off of that scorecard. We promise. Check out slopegrade.com today. www.slopegrade.com and enter coupon code enjoy the walk at checkout for a special discount check them out also we always want to thank saltwater swag for all of our vinyl product needs saltwater swag at saltwater underscore swag underscore md on instagram check them out anything you need done in vinyl whether it's shirts hats sweatshirts you name it they can get it done for you saltwater swag check them out Right, yeah, I mean, it was 70 and sunny. We got blessed with the best weather we could have played in. Um, there was no wind. I mean, it, you looked around, you're on the harbor, and you're waiting for wind to come around, and there, there was nothing. I mean, yeah. It was, it was absolutely magnificent. It was the best we were scared. weather we could have for a golf round. Yeah. We were scared. I think going into it, we were like, if it's windy, like, 
whatever. I mean, everyone's playing the same course. And sure. obviously, yeah. I mean, us going into it, we already said we're like, we're the best players going into this, you know, this, this tournament. We got to play like it. So I think going in with that confidence, um, knowing, you know, we're going to win. There's just no other way. I think there was a guy in the locker room, like, after it, he's like, what were these guys thinking? Like, you think you were going to win when you were teen off? I was like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that question always blows my mind. Like, especially in a championship setting like this. Like, what, were you coming to play for fifth place? Like, why did you show yeah. up today? He's like, did you think you were going to win? I'm like, nah, I thought I was going to lose today, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. That, that last thing looked pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like – I, I don't know. I want to finish right around eighth. That was the goal. You know, my favorite number is eight. Like, come on, buddy. What are you doing? Yeah, that was kind of a mind boggler. But is that uh, is that the first time you guys played that course? Yeah, yeah. First we tried. We tried getting up onto it for a practice round. Didn't work out too well. Um, didn't work out. Yeah, it didn't work out too well. Um, but we went. I mean, we started off on. The, I mean, it's cool. You start. You you got up there. I mean, the the atmosphere of the place was unreal. I mean, you know, you walk in, you, you know, you got to sit and eat breakfast, which was um, all whole on real breakfast, you know, omelets, everything you could think of. Um, and then, you know, you kind of sat there, you, you got, you took your time, you put your shoes on your locker, um, just the whole experience. And you went on the range and you picked your, you pick whatever balls you were playing with. Pro V1, you were playing with Callaway, <laughs> Chrome Soft, actually, like solid. Bridgestones, like. I played Chrome Softs the day I picked a bag of Chrome Softs off the range. You know, it was, it was sweet. I mean, from that, from me, I went and got a massage. I had the massage table. Oh, you started the day with the massage? Oh, you did. <laughs> First tee box. I waited. I waited. I probably waited. I hit balls early, putt it, and I was like, all right, I got to sit on this table. I probably waited 25 minutes to get on that table. Yeah. <laughs> like, Which is funny because when we were at Philmont, they had a massage table there too. No one, like, sniffed it. There was nobody what? at that massage table. If I remember correctly, Dante, I remember saying something to you. I was like, dude, I was like, massage table. Like, maybe, maybe. And then, like, I kept looking at it, and no one was going to it. I thought there was, like, something wrong with it. So, I just was, like, not good. <laughs> I was not going to try it at all. They stretch, they stretch you out. They, like, rock, they gave us a big stretching table. I was like, this is perfect. So That's the way to start a day. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's something you got to capitalize it, on. Get the body I think loose. that's the way I got to start it next year, too. It's yeah. just, it's, you know, you got to get in the, in the rhythm of things. Man, it's that balls, body, massage, tea. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. We'll have to. We'll have to have to write that one down. Yeah, that's one. Um, I mean, you, Hoff. What do you think about the 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 way the round started? I mean, the, the hole we started on was brutal. Yeah, we started on what the fourth hole. Uh, five. I think five, it was five. Yeah, five. What are all <laughs> down the left side? We uh we decided to go first as a team. I don't think our playing partners uh were too fond of us we had yeah. a bump it was, it was fun but yeah. I mean, we're enjoying the experience we had the shark experience around yeah. sound music i'm at liberty national it's 70 degrees it's sunny i'm playing music i'm playing music while we play there's no rules against it it's a barstool classic what are you gonna do i mean that's encouraged like yeah, come on out of all play out of all places just bump music your whole round that's yeah. the freaking that's, that's the championship yeah um but yeah the, the hole we started on was brutal i think i blacked out my first swing um Hit it right down the middle and put <laughs> it a little right. So, uh, I was not going underwater. I was not yeah. moving. <laughs> and, and I was fine with that. Um, but, yeah, the, I mean, the round couldn't have been better. Uh, I, I missed a few birdie putts that were very short early. So we like, three, like three feet, yeah. four feet short. So the, the first hole we started on, I missed a four-footer for birdie. 
the second hole, I missed a three footer for birdie. And that's when we looked at each other and we're like, oh, it's one of these freaking days again. That's, that yeah. sounds like our Philmont experience. Yeah. Dante, uh, Dante missed been... about a, well, no, actually for me, it was the first two holes at Philmont. I missed like two footers. I just, I had putts on the wrong side of the hole and like for two footers, they broke like 12 inches. It was ridiculous and uh, made horrible strokes on them. And I was like, all right, that's going to be the day. Yeah, that's not exactly what we thought. We've all Once he missed the first two, I was like, this can't be real right now. I was like, this is how this is going to be. So now how'd you guys turn it around then? Because you guys caught fire the rest of the day. Yeah. Um, um, the whole after that was a par five, I believe. Rock we, and down we, No, we, we parred. It was par four, which is five. Six was a par five. Yeah. Seven was the par four coming back. Eight was when we started our streak. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Eight's when um eight we actually you made birdie from the bunker on the par five. Yeah, and the funny thing is we actually got a pop yeah. on that that, that hole. That was our only hole we got a pop on. So we so we kind of made up for the past couple holes that left us behind. So we picked up a stroke on eight. Yeah, and now, I don't think that's something we mentioned yet, and I'm glad you just kind of ran into that because uh, for those who don't know, like the Barstool Classic format, it's not only is it better ball, but it's modified handicaps. So basically, and now I know you guys are very low single-digit handicaps, but for anyone mm -hmm. who plays in it, you play at 50% of your handicap. So, I mean, some guys that, you know, were nine tens or something like that, close to that realm, they got – four or five shots during the day, uh, which mm -hmm. is pretty cool. And, and, you know, for us single-digit handicaps, you really got to take advantage of those pop holes. And, you know, when you make a par on a, on a pop hole, I mean, yeah, it's great. It's a yeah. dirty, but it's like, shit, man. Like, I could have got yeah. two there. So that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's sick to, sit, to hear that you started your kind of run on a, on a hole that you got a stroke. Yeah. yeah, we didn't – I mean, we didn't expect to get strokes at all. We, we seen the scorecard, and I looked at him. I was like, yo, we're getting a stroke. We're both getting a stroke on eight, yeah, and it's par five. You know, um, yeah, so we took advantage of it. I mean, I birdied eight, Hoff birdied nine. He had put one to an inch. I think I Hoff birdied ten. Yeah, I birdied two in a row. I, I, I birdied eleven. We went par. Then I went birdie, birdie, birdie on thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. So then it just kind of it was like every hole we had was kind of a. Uh, yeah. And then I think I rattled off a couple more. And yeah. We both just jumped in, and next thing you know, we're at eight under. Like, all right, yeah, we didn't even it, – it's – I mean, we kind of blacked out. I do got a good story. Uh, so, we were, we were on, like, the 13th, I think, the par three. Yeah, long uh, par three, yeah. Par three. Uh, I hit a great, great shot. Um, it just trickled off the right side of the green, went into, like, a little runoff. And uh, one of our caddies, this guy, Mike, great guy, the uh, caddies down in Florida as we speak. He, he looks at me and he goes, oh, man, he's like, all the tour pros were out here the other day and not one of them got up and down. He's like, Phil Mickelson, was there. he didn't get up and down. Yeah, and reassuring. And I had some true lease and I, I looked at him and I said, fuck you, Mike, I'm making burn. <laughs> <laughs> and Rocco hit one to like back left of part of the green and it almost fell off. If it, if it went another half a yard, it would have went in the water. Um, yeah, so he got lucky staying up there. So I, I chipped one up. I put it to like 30 feet. So I, I obviously didn't make birdie. <laughs> but I drained the putt, and I looked at Mike, and I threw my ball. And it was just like, all right, it's on. <laughs> now, <laughs> now that's the that's the kind of iconic hole hanging out over the water right, all, right off the river, right? Like, you're no, out, no, you're no, out, that, what holes, what's that hole? So if I'm not mistaken – This has to be I a heard, the one that, The one that's over – the one that's on the right of the water. Yeah. 
that's the one that's like uh, see oversees the, the the skyline. Yep. I birdied that one. I think that's. Oh, I want to hold on. Where's my yardage book at? I'll go get my. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, while you grab that, basically, like that, I love that the fact of like you know, not only is it an event like you're not going to see people like drinking Trulies and having a good time like that at a USAM or like a US Midam even you know like that's the best thing about the Barstool Classic and what I love about it is like you know it's literally like you're going out in the men's league on a on a Thursday night having some beers in the cart playing music whatever, um, and the fact that it like. Yeah, we saw it in a local qualifier, but then it transitioned over into the championship too, which I think is the best part. Like, you know, that was kind of my like only, you know, big question. I was like, all right, yeah, people were cool like at the locals, but like a lot of those like guys who just didn't give a shit, like did they transfer over into the championship? And it's awesome to hear that like you guys were bumping music, drinking Trulies, just having a good time because that's what it's all about. And that's like why we entered the tournament in the first place was that kind of mentality. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a laid back mentality. Obviously, we want to win anything we do, I mean, especially 10K. I mean, yeah, yeah, and especially <laughs> 10Ks in line. But I mean, that the whole setup was great. They, I mean, the did an unbelievable job of setting everything up and making everybody feel comfortable and making you there's coolers on every single hole with any kind of beer you want. I mean, there's barstool employees and hyping you up and just making you have a good time. And they, they, I couldn't say any more kind words that they just really put on like an unbelievable event and I can't wait for like the three day event this year. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to blow uh, Liberty national out of the water. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Which is crazy because this, like the and, you guys yeah. tell us, it just it are unreal already. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was the perfect day. Hey, Rock, Rock, hey. What hole was that? <laughs> uh, I can't find my book, but I'm right, I'll take your word on it. That's what we got online for. I mean, this oh, is yeah. what, for, <laughs> what they make Google. But the while you're looking that up, walk yeah. us through that playoff. You know, I mean, Oof. there were two teams that finished at eight under, right? Like you said, you finished that. No, we, we were eight under. We had a one stroke lead over the second place. Oh, team. that's right. They, they so took the top seven and then top two, two or top three. It was top four. Okay. That was four teams. There was two, two at five, one at six, and we were at seven. All right, so walk us through that then. You guys start on 18, or is it a three-hole playoff? Three-hole playoff. So we start with 16. 16 to drivable par four. What makes this event even more special was after the 18 holes of golf, they finalized the scores and made announcements. They had the grounds crew of, the, of Liberty National go out and change the hole locations for 16, 17, 18 and give us new pin sheets. I mean, it, it was mm-hmm. It was fun to be a part. Oh, of. they even threw new pin sheets in for that last. Yeah. Like they, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. No, I mean, anytime you run into a place like Liberty National, and obviously it's only going to get better when you go to a, such a historic place like Pinehurst, they just have their shit together. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes you run into like local club events that just, you know, sometimes screw it up or don't give you the pin sheets or just have it a little like discombobulated. You know, courses like that just do it right. Yeah. And, I'm pumped to see what goes down at Pinehurst with a three-day event like that. It's just it, it's going to be one for the, the history books. I think of of just amateur golf events. It has to be. 100. I definitely agree with that. It's it's going to be fantastic. So now, how are you guys thinking on prepping for Pinehurst? What's what's the game plan going in? You know, are you going down there a couple couple weekends to get some practice rounds in leading up to it, or I mean, it's not to November. You guys getting down there a lot over the summer? 
Um, I doubt it. We were looking up flights, though. I think we're going down like a week beforehand. <laughs> yeah, I think we're. Go- I think our plans are going down a couple days beforehand, and uh, maybe play maybe play one and five or two or whatever course. You know, who knows which one we're going to play on? Um, but I think we're going to go down. I mean, the deal will be going down maybe Wednesday. Play Wednesday, Thursday, and then get Friday, Saturday, Sunday in. Hell yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. Are you more excited to play, like, if we get on – or I shouldn't say we because we haven't qualified at all yet. But, you know, the qualifiers, if they get on, are you more excited to play, like, the historic number two or, or any of the – one of the redesigns, like the Gil Hans number four redesign? What, uh, what's, what's, the, what's the favorite? You're looking for number two? Yeah. I mean, how can you not? I mean, I had to ask because th- th- there's so many courses down there. There is. Yeah. People have different preferences. But, I mean, for myself, I've never been there. And I think number two just speaks the loudest to me. Yeah, I mean, I listened – I mean, obviously, when the, when the four-play guys went down there, I listened up about, you know, their experience. And they say number four was unreal. I mean, I think I agree with Hofto. Number two is where it's at. You know, I mean, that's where, where all the history's at, where everything goes down at. I mean, no matter what four looks like, five looks like, six looks like, you know, two is what speaks, to, speaks the loudest of all the courses. For I mean, sure. that's where it goes. Yeah. That's, where the, that's where the big events at, too. My, uh, my, my dad was the biggest Payne Stewart fan ever. Uh, it definitely transferred over to me. So, like, to, to ever have the opportunity to get down to Pinehurst, I think number two is just the must-play, you know, the, the yeah. must-see for never being down there. Just so much history at that place, man. It's, uh, it's one to have to get on. Yeah, it's ridiculous. No doubt. Um, but the playoff was um, – it was nerve-wracking. <laughs> I mean, so there. I mean, we for those who don't know, Hoff. I'm not meaning to throw you under the weather here or under the bus, but you blast one. Into the harbor. You blast one into the harbor. Yeah, I'm gonna throw you in the harbor. You blast one in the harbor. You let no, you, you, you rock. What does that feel like standing over? I mean, you gotta hit something not wet. Was that just your only thought? Was just like not wet? Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, getting over it. I like Hoff said. I think I was in a different zone. I kind of slowed everything that I thought, you know, I've done in the past, I thought about a lot, and I just slowed everything down, um, which kind of helped going forward. But, I mean, once I've put in the water, I mean, we've all hit bad shots, no matter what situation it is, it's just you got to pick up your teammate. You know, he he's hit plenty of bad shots, and it goes back from the Cobbs Creek and the Philly, the Philly um, better ball. Like, he's hit so many bad shots, and, I've, you know, I think one day he played absolutely awful. I just – you know, took care of whatever I has to do. That's what you do when you're playing a team event. Um, but, yeah, the thought going into it was don't go right. <laughs> but what got in my head was um, it's funny. And the kid before me hit, and he, he put a good one out there, like roasted one, I guess, you know, hit a pretty good one. And some of the guy in the crowd was like, wow, that's bombed. And I was like, nah, wait till you see this one. So I got up. <laughs> Obviously, I just I kind of I kind of just made sure I made the right swing, and once it got down to it, I just I roasted it, and it worked out. I stayed in bounds, which was nice. Um, <laughs> that's um, that's so always took, reassuring. Yeah, that tee shot after the tee shot happened, it took a lot of pressure off, I guess. But it's still, I mean, half asked me, he's like, "You want me? To, you want me to hit another ball?" And I'm like, "Nah, I got you, dude. Like, I'm not making five, and we've gone back to that situation where you know we lost." On the eight, not you know, 
we've lost a hole in the 18th and went to a playoff and lost. And I told Hop, I was like, dude, I'll never do that again. So I guess I, I've lived up to my word so far. <laughs> and then one of the biggest ones we've played in so far so i mean yeah so like i gotta ask you know you guys you you walk through that hole everybody's seen the video that probably follows us so you know there's no need to go through stuff it you stuff the putt you guys freaking win it who drank out of the cup first i think Hoft or did za yeah, <laughs> i think za did my bar stool. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i forgot about him and I that is Zah. such a good oh, he was classic just watching on the on the story to see him hopping around i think this the, the cup had to be taller than him am i right it was heavier than nah, him. it wasn't taller than him <laughs> it, he could have sat trophy a college buddy of mine hit me up and he texted me he's from the boston area he goes yo dude he's like it's so crazy that zaz there with you and i was like why he's like he used to tutor me and uh when i was in grade school what a small and i'm like that just threw me completely off guard wow that is and, hilarious yeah so Zah was the first one to drink out of it um and then i got paced on it it's it was i don't know what to say like i i think we had a lot of trulies uh the f words were flying out a lot don't get me wrong yeah, we had a lot of f-bombs uh i don't acceptable. know I, it's acceptable but like I mean, what are you supposed to do in that situation? Yeah, I mean, so that's what I got to ask, too. You, you guys won 10K. You guys were technically considered professional golfers after that. What changed? Like, did you guys recognize anything that changed from, like, a golf perspective after being, like, on the label of pro? Or is it just, like, business as usual, playing golf just with your buddies again? I mean, amateur events are done with. Uh, one of the guys that runs a lot of amateur events called us right away. and they, That was the first question. Uh <laughs> What are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? And we're like, uh, let us think about it. I mean, it was literally, it was on the drive Disney. home. From, <laughs> on the drive home. Like, yeah. let us enjoy the win, please. And, yeah. and, and the week before, I won a mid-am. And he was like, did you accept money at the qualifier? Because that would make your win in here, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen, we didn't accept anything yet. Yeah. Just left Liberty National. Like, we haven't even accepted this money yet. Like, let us think about it. We're going to figure something out. And like, I think he, at the end of the day, he wanted us in this tournaments, which I understand. Um, they're great tournaments and we have a lot of fun with them, but 10 K is 10 K. What the hell do you want us to do? You know? Yeah. I mean, it, it, I don't see how you say no, but yeah. yes, it is what it is. Some people, yeah. some people love their am events. And like you said, you're mid am and, and I just turned 25. So I'm, I'm pumped to play in some mid am events this summer, which is that was, that was my know. first as a 25 year old as well. Uh, yeah. My first year as a 25 year old, I can't play in them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to remind you of those, throw some nightmares your way. But, uh, yeah, so that's awesome. Now, you guys got a whole year with the trophy. You just returned it Monday. Um, what did, did the trophy go on any, like, special tour around the hometown? And did, did you party with the trophy at all? You know, what are some good stories from, from the, the trophy tour of, of 2020 with the Barstool Classic <laughs> yeah, trophy? Yeah, half tell them about your trophy tour. Um, I had it at my house for one night. Um, I had so we, you, I mean, we brought it to you the put the did you put the dings in it? Yeah, who got the ding in it? That was none of us. I seen that from Greg's story. That was none of us. That's on there. That's that was not there. from us. That, that was there. there. Yeah. Okay. That so ding he, was there. On that that thing is in pristine condition. All right. So what happened? What happened? We brought it around to the first tee. We had all the kids take pictures with it. They were loving it. I mean, it was cool to see them all around it. 
Um, but yeah, like I said, I had it for one night. I think it was at Rocco's house a bunch for the, I mean, every other night except one. And so I'm sure he probably drank out of it multiple times and had his friends drink out of it. Yeah. So you can speak. Well, that. So uh, wait, <laughs> let me, let me explain here. I tell Hoff, I, so I, we first get the trophy. I was like, you know, I'll just bring it into work for, you know, a couple of weeks, you know, show it off a little bit. I thought about leaving it in work and I was like, nah, I don't leave it in work. So every day for about maybe a month, yeah, a couple weeks, I'm traveling, trophy in the passenger seat with me the whole time. You know, whatever. In. I don't, I Ready to go. I, I was loving it. I had the trophy in this. So then I, I said to half, I was like, hey, you want to take this home? Like one night, dude, like, would you like the trophy? We did win. He's like, all right, I'll take it tonight. He brought it back the next morning. He's like, yeah, you want to take it back? <laughs> I'm like, all right. <laughs> That's and a hell like, of a tour, Hoff. Yeah. I'm like, oh, God, I showed the family, showed my girlfriend, and then it was like, all right, I'm good. Yeah, he's <laughs> away. <laughs> and it just sat on, it sat right on my my mantle or right on my windowsill in my lip in my uh, dining room for I don't know how long. I mean, people drank out of it, you know. People, I've had, you know, I have all the friend events over here, Friendsgiving and stuff like that. So everyone comes over and sees it. Um, They've drank in out of it. They've always asked me, but yeah, there's been plenty of people that drank out of it. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. That's uh, I feel like that's what hard to do. So there's yeah. trophy, so. right? Yeah, watch out for that COVID nineteen, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, no, that's yeah, awesome. So. I, I love to hear that. At least it got a little bit of uh, whatever drink you prefer poured into it and drank out of yeah. it through the year. So. That's awesome to hear. Hoff, I'm sorry you didn't get to, uh, you know, have it a little longer. I mean, my God, 24 yeah. hours. Seems like a little <laughs> light I told, I told on Rocco, I said, you know what? You get it for 2019. I'll take it after the 2020 Classic. It's yeah, we'll just call it now. All right, them fighting words, boys. You heard it there. They're ready to take it home. He said confirm pickup in November. So, <laughs> boys are chomping at the bit. They're, they're not going to go down without a fight. No, I love it. Uh, yeah, not at all. Whoever's playing in Atlantic City, you know, those guys will see you out at Atlantic City. Um, so we're pumped to tee it up there with you guys and uh, hopefully at least dethrone you from uh, – did, did you guys win the Philmont or, or you were like first, second, second or third? Second. second. Okay. Yeah. But we will be accepting money matches at Atlantic City. Hoff, I just made this decision. Um, if anybody <laughs> wants to win that. That's fine. Money matches at Atlantic City Country Club, we will be accepting – um just let us know what you want yeah you got your you got your first money match right here the enjoy the walk guys guys. 10 10 10, 20 5 5 10s we can keep it cheap expensive whatever you want to do i mean it might as well be expensive it's a classic come on oh you want to play for it you want to play for your fees (laughs) 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 if we if you win we pay if we win we pay your we pay your registration fee hey listen (laughs) listen the good thing about the qualifiers we have literally no stress yeah, that's, yeah. See, that's the thing. Blessed. That's that's where we're I don't like the whole feedback because there's no stress on your end. Yeah, we're we're very blessed. The only thing, uh, the only exception, Rig Rig said was we can't come in dead fucking last. So we don't. I got that. pretty. I got pretty good faith in you guys. That ain't gonna fucking happen. Nah. <laughs> Hoff goes. We gotta finish seventieth. If like seventieth. That would be a total flip flop of winner to seventieth. <laughs> I mean. It's happened before. You know, teams have done it in the past in sporting events. So I'm not guaranteeing you guys in there, but I think I've got some pretty good confidence that you can at least finish top like 20. 
I think well, we're not. I mean, we already talked about it. We're not. We're going to try and win it. It's not like we're we're going to show you who who who's got the trophy. Yeah, I mean, I, I've gained a little bit of your mentality, and I think that just the winning mentality is the only way you step on a golf course. So I'm not too worried about you guys finishing dead fucking last. No, I don't think uh, we aren't either. But yeah, we'll, we'll discuss that wager over uh, over the next okay. couple months, and, and you got right. you got your first m- money match right here. So okay, be on the lookout for that. Yeah, you guys know where to find him. Uh, out on Instagram. Where do you guys actually? I don't know your names off the top of the head for Instagram. So where do guys find you to hit you up for the money match for Atlantic City? Uh, well, I am Rock to Rock on Instagram. And I don't even know what my Twitter name is. I am Do Hoffy. D O F F Y. All right, guys, you heard it there. Hit him up. Money matches out at Atlantic City for the Barstool Classic qualifier. Guys, really appreciate you joining us. Barstool champions for the 2019 Barstool Classic. Uh, They're looking to repeat in 2020 down at Pinehurst. So who's going to knock you guys off? We don't know. We'll see. We hope hope it's a good good event again. Um, We don't want to talk too much shit because you talk too much shit. Yeah, all we're doing is carrying on the Barstool. uh, We're just carrying on. Yeah. Hey, a little shit talk is acceptable. A little shit talk. Listen, you, but you, listen. you can talk shit. You won 10K. I am not, I'm not taking anything away from you. So yeah. there's a little shit to be had. But, yeah, there's people gunning for you now. Yeah, there definitely is. I've been, I've been mentioned on Twitter a couple of times. I'm kind of waiting for it. I'm waiting for this. I'm waiting for Pirates. I can't wait. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Aren't we all? Be, Aren't we all? Be good. Yeah. Uh, by the way, it was the 11th hole hop. I was right. 11th hole. It was our three eleventh. Yeah, par three eleventh. Gotcha. Yeah, it, uh, it was playing about one ninety three. Whew, that's a bear. Yeah, one ninety three or two twenty five. I don't know which one it was. I don't think it was one two twenty five. <laughs> it was, was two hundred something. Because yeah, it was. Yeah. So, but hey, boys, appreciate you guys having us. This was awesome. yeah. Thank you. Yes, sir. You guys en- enjoy the rest of your evening drinking your your fine wines and and whatever you got in the glass hoff. But uh, we'll really? see you guys in Atlantic City. All right. Yeah, we'll see you then, boys. Thank you. All right, take hey, care, guys, guys. If you guys ever want to play beforehand, just let us know. We're around. And oh, for sure. For sure. Dante's well, up there in the New Jersey area, and, and I'm, I'm planning on coming up to Philly a couple times away. for some rounds. So We'll, we'll come to running deer. Yeah, man, come on down. Yeah, we'll come to running deer. You can come to running deer, and then you can come to Bluebell. Sounds good. We'll Done make deal. it happen. All right, All right boys. We'll see you guys as well. Awesome. Sounds great, guys. Have a good evening, and until next time, enjoy the walk. Later. All right, guys. So, as you know, that was Rocco Scrillo and Anthony Hoffman from the Barstool Classic Champions of 2019. Um, Those boys love golf, man. Holy hell, they they love golf. I love it. For sure. Well, I mean, think about this. It's another championship that that brought back the Philly. Can't beat that. No. Nothing. Nothing, dude. <laughs> Nothing. You and your Philly guys, man, I'm telling you. At least, I mean, God. Yeah, whatever. I pinched the nerve. <laughs> I pinched the nerve. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing those guys in Atlantic City. Um, pumped to be playing in it ourselves, man. We, uh, we talked about it a little bit, but we played out at Philmont last year and just didn't make, just didn't make putts last year, man. 
put ourselves in some weird spots to uh, not make putts and finish right around like even par. So uh, three or four under, I think, got into it last year at the Philmont section. I think that's what it'll take again this year, three or four under to qualify for the championship. I think um, so, yeah. But, man, it's just a fun event. I can't wait for it. Uh, as, as Rocco and those guys said, we got a little money match on the side, and uh, we also – you know, is enjoy the walk guys. We'll gladly accept some, uh, some low money wagers, some money matches for any team that wants to take us on in the Barstool classic out at Atlantic city. Uh, you know, 10, 10, 20 or whatever, 10 aside, whatever, you know, whatever you want to do, let us know. We'll play in a little money match. Adds a little, uh, extra juice fuel to the fire. Love talking some shit, you know, not too much shit, but a little shit. It's always, it's always good to chirp here and there while you're playing it around. That's always fun. Yeah. So uh, you guys can check out, you know, follow along with our summer as we prep for the Barstool Classic, you know, on the side of doing the rest of the podcast at uh, Enjoy the Walk Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we also have a YouTube page, guys. So, I, you know, we don't we haven't promoted this much to date, but we've posted a lot. But uh, we do have a YouTube page. Go over to Enjoy the Walk Podcast um, on YouTube. You can check us out there. Uh, we post every podcast via YouTube as well, so you can follow along and put some faces to names that you guys might not see via the podcast uh, on iTunes or Spotify, and also put some faces to our guests' names. You know, uh, we have some really awesome guests that are on this podcast, and you can you know pretty much see most of their faces on the YouTube side of things. So we try to post their faces on our Instagram page, you know, and and get their face out there via that way. But um, you can also follow along and kind of just see their interactions with us on our YouTube page as well. So go click and subscribe to that. That would mean the world. Um, as golf season comes back around, we're going to be doing a lot more interaction with the YouTube page, uh, with Isaiah on the teaching side of things, and, and us just kind of featuring golf courses that we play during the summer and stuff like that. So uh, definitely follow us on there, guys. We appreciate We reached 1K. I want to talk about that real quick. We did our 1K giveaway. That was surreal for sure. So cool. And I just want to thank people again for just pressing that follow button and pressing that play button each and every episode. Um, this many listeners, this many followers in three months is surreal. It's awesome. And I just want to thank each and every one of you guys so much for, you know, taking an hour out of your week or two hours. Now that we do it twice a week to, uh, Listen to us shoot the shit about golf. Uh, we think, you know, we love the game enough to give you guys an insider in, you know, insight into the common man's kind of take on, on the golf industry and, and what's going on every week in golf and, and bring you guys, um, you know, the people within the industry and the, the people that love this game so much each and every week. Oh, yeah. And just the fact of the connections that we made too already and just like the friendships that we're developing. I mean, we have we have, you know, friends now to play with. We're kind of like wherever we go now onto the, to the East coast, whether it's, it's North Carolina, all the way down to Florida. That's I mean, been the surreal thing too. Like you just said, man, just already in three months. Yeah. We have people from all over the country and Hawaii saying, man, whenever you guys come in town, you're playing at my place. You know, you're golf, playing at my place. Golf. So of course. Why Kayle? Golf. Why Kayle? Shout out to you guys. We touched go golf. Yeah. Hell yeah. on Hawaii on the first episode and you know, they're, they're telling us, Hey, next time you guys are in, you guys, you guys are coming back and we're doing a live podcast. So yeah, if you're, if you're ever out there and you play that course, that course is unreal because 
what I loved about it was, so it's kind of in this, it's on the island of Oahu. Um, so the biggest, like the most populated area, uh, Honolulu area. So it's kind of like in the center of, of the island, kind of in the hill section. And what's cool about it, I mean, once you roll up, they treat you like you're as if you're a private member. They, we got a, we got a little gift bag when we rolled up. We got a nice hot uh, towel, or no, cool towel, because it's hot out there. I was going to say, a hot <laughs> towel in Hawaii does not sound pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> no, so you got that. And then, but what was really cool, so you think, this is what I really like about the course. The course was almost like gully in in a way where you felt secluded so it wasn't the so you're thinking ocean views and you're thinking uh you know you know the beaches and all that this is in the middle of of the city and there's all these it was weird because you were in hawaii but i felt as if i was in like oregon because they had you were in like the jungle there weren't you that was a different one okay we there the trees were like these tall pine needle trees. It almost felt like I was playing out in like Oregon, which was, but I was in Hawaii. It was cool. I, it's definitely a yeah, course to check out. Yeah, shout out to those guys. They always give us a bunch of love, and um, it's just cool, man, to see the connect. Like you said, the connections we've been able to uh, kind of foster from just doing this podcast and and posting our opinions on stuff via Twitter and Instagram and, you know, interacting with people. Um, the golf community is amazing. I love, I love this game even more now than I did when I started this podcast. And I thought I really loved it when I, when, when we started the podcast. Um, but I just, you know, each and every week we keep hearing more stories, more, you know, just different ins and outs of the game. And it just keeps driving home the fact that like this game's amazing. The industry is amazing. The people who play it are amazing. Um, it's fun, man. I can't wait to continue this for another 20 episodes and another 20 and 20 after that. You know, I can't wait to just continue to dive deep into this industry and get the great stories that are out there because there's so many of them. And that, and that's what, what it's all about. It's making the connections and it's really about hearing the stories. I mean, the stories that we've gone through already, we're just, we're pretty sick to hear. And there's definitely more stories out there. And we, we want to hear your stories. Uh, that's for sure. And it's definitely given me a different, different and new perspective on golf. So I'm excited. Sure. And, uh, you know, just the listeners, you guys are amazing. That's all I got to say. Also, I want to add in and Dante and I were just shooting the shit off the air and this needs to be part of the next podcast. So here we are. The coronavirus, as we were on the pod, the NBA is canceling their season indefinitely. The United States has barred European countries, except I think the UK, from coming back to the United States for the next 30 days. And we have quite possibly one of the hottest takes that you might have for conspiracy theories on this whole coronavirus. I like to conspire. This Love one's it. nuts, though. Love this to is... conspire. <laughs> but don't you think it's convenient that all of this coronavirus hoopla started coming about when rumors of tiger being hurt surfaced i think the masters is going to get canceled and i think it's all because tiger's hurt and can't play this is all from, this is all tiger camp related spin zone this is all because tiger can't play the masters and if tiger can't play the masters 
there's no reason to have it in the first place, especially as defending champ. Coronavirus is going to cancel the Masters, and it's because of Tiger Woods. <laughs> this, Let's debate that's that. That's nuts, dude. Uh, <laughs> oh, shoot. What was I just going to say about that? Oh, my you God. You got nothing to say because you know I'm right. <laughs> yeah, conspiracy theories are fun, but this one's nuts. This is probably the craziest one that I've seen or read about, <laughs> but it's fun. Uh, dude, I it's, want, you, I want just, you guys to weigh in. We'll post this. We'll post this on our Instagram tonight. It's the, tomorrow. What do you guys the think? Coron- coronavirus and Tiger Woods conspiracies, just so he can be ready for the Masters. Tell us your thoughts. Enjoy the Walk Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You know, interact with us on there. We post. We're we're trying to post more polls. Um, you know, and if you guys have a hot topic that you think we missed on the podcast or you think we just didn't get right, you know, send us an email. Enjoy the Walk nineteen at gmail dot com. Um, feel free to interact with us on there. We love kind of getting our listeners' perspectives on everything we're talking about. Um, we want to hear from you guys. We want to discuss different things that, you know, we might've missed or that you think uh, is really cool in the game of golf. We're always open to having, you know, new guests, people that aren't on our radar on the podcast. So if you have someone you think should be on the podcast, let us know. We'd love to talk. And, uh, you know, don't miss the, the merch drops that we're, we're putting out too. You know, we've got, uh, we've got golf tees on the website. Now we've got microfiber towels on the website. We've got, uh, we've got the, you know, this week's the players championship. We've got the players themed, the walkers t-shirts. We've got our new shield t-shirts out there. Um, you know, we're just a couple dudes doing this from, uh, our perspective apartments and rooms in our houses. And, uh, every purchase means the world to us. So thanks guys for whoever has made purchases already. And, uh, it means, it means the world. So, you know, that's it. www.enjoythewalk.store. You can find all of our information on there. Thanks for listening and, uh, tune in next week as always. Enjoy the walk. Enjoy the walk. One shot at a time.